Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our reading today comes from two passages. The first will be from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 51 through 62, and then Galatians 5, 1, and then 13 through 25. Now, when the time was approaching for him to be taken up to heaven, he was determined to go to Jerusalem to fulfill his purpose. He sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went into a Samaritan village to make arrangements for him. But the people would not welcome him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and destroy them? But he turned and rebuked and said to them, And he said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they journeyed on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, foxes have holes and birds birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. Follow me, accepting me as your master and teacher. But he said, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the spiritually dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and spread the news about the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, as your disciple. But first, let me say goodbye to those at my home. But Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. And now from the book of Galatians. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, You shall love the neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I have warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ 
have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also, let us also be guided by the Spirit. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. In today's gospel, Jesus and his disciples are on the road. And the passage says that Jesus is setting his face toward Jerusalem. And that means that he is ready to fulfill his mission, to face suffering and death on a cross. But his disciples don't yet understand this. They make their way towards a Samaritan village. And the disciples are to start to make preparations to stay for the night. Now, our passage says that the Samaritans didn't want to welcome Jesus or the disciples, especially when they knew he was on the way towards Jerusalem. Now, Jews and Samaritans were different ethnic groups, but they were related. And neither group liked the other very much. Jews tended to look down on Samaritans, considering them half-breeds because they were made up of both Jews, Jewish and non-Jewish backgrounds. Now, the question in this passage is why did they reject Jesus and the disciples? Why didn't they offer them a place to stay? And we don't know. What we do know, as I said before, is where Jesus was headed the holy city of Jerusalem. And we know that Jerusalem was a special place for Jews, but not necessarily for Samaritans. And maybe that was enough to tip them off and send Jesus and his disciples packing. Well, of course, that wasn't well received by the disciples, which makes some sense. And it's then that James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, for some odd reason asked, as if they had the power, that for fire to come down on this village and consume them. Jesus was not a fan, and he lets them know. The Son of Man did not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, God calls us to live free. But Paul stresses that does not mean we do whatever we want. Paul tells the church that to be truly free is to be a servant to the other and to each other. Paul warns what happens when we fail to live a life for the other and it is a life about ourselves. And this is coming from the, uh, the message version of this passage. And he says that what comes out of living a life, a selfish life, is repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to be loved, to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and 
uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. All of that sounds incredibly familiar to us in our own time, doesn't it? This past week, I had the opportunity to interview Fyodor Rakhinets. He is a pastor and a seminary theologian that lives in Kyiv, Ukraine. And a lot of the interview, this is, was for my um, podcast, was about life in his country during the current war. He studied under the theologian Miroslav Volf. And for those of you who don't know, he is a Croatian. And some of the works that became one of um, Volf's most, most well-known work, Exclusion and Embrace, were shared at the, when um, Fyodor was a, a student in Miroslav's class in Croatia during the Balkan Wars of the 1990s. Now, I have not read the book before. I've always wanted to, but this interview made me want to read it. And this book was written in the mid to late 1990s, but it really feels like it's written for today. It's written for people who today cling very closely to an identity. And he mentions that it was possible when he wrote this book back in the 90s to assume that everyone believed that everyone shared a common humanity. But Wolf in his book acknowledges in this update of this book that that assumption no longer exists. If you turn on the TV today, you can see that as a society and as a world, we have become far more tribal to the point that we see anyone who disagrees with us, not simply as someone that we disagree with, but as evil. And we are more and more seeing how they've been believed that violence is a way to deal with difference. We saw this on January 6, 2021, as people stormed the US Capitol. And we're seeing it currently in so many different ways. From, a very, from recently reports that there was someone that wanted to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Or there were the 31 white nationalists that were arrested who are planning on disrupting a gay pride festival in Idaho. There have been people that have vandalized pregnancy centers because they espouse a pro-life viewpoint. There has been people like Congressman Adam Kinzinger, a Republican from Illinois, who has received death threats, not just from him because of his role in the January 6th committee, but also threatening his wife and his newborn child. Everywhere we go, people are losing faith 
in the democratic process. We don't believe anymore in persuading one another. Instead, we are turning more and more over to violence. Over and over again, we live as if we are at the edge of destruction and that we have to do whatever it takes in order for the other person not to win. And that is opening us up to methods that will hurt others. All because, to echo what Paul is saying, we are living for ourselves or for our tribe. There are many that I think sincerely and I think were good people who thought that the recent decision from the Supreme Court of striking down Roe versus Wade might finally lessen what seem to be these never-ending culture wars. And of course, we are seeing the exact opposite. Tribal loyalties in this country especially, but around the world are hardening. And so it seems so are people's hearts. There is less understanding of each other. The ways of the world are one, as I said, where we are defined by our identity. And that becomes non-negotiable. And when we cling to those identities so hard, those things that offer us succor end up weakening and destroying democracy. That is the problem that we face. It is a daunting problem. It is a problem that we cannot take lightly, and it is not a problem we can ignore. The good news is that in a world where we are so divided, where we are so defined by our tribe, Jesus offers us good news. Jesus rebukes the disciples for wanting to punish Samaritans. He tells them that he is not here to bring division. He is setting his face towards Jerusalem, towards the life that God calls, one that is living for others and not just for self. Paul shows that freedom is about living for others, living according to the Spirit. And what is the evidence that we're living according to the Spirit? And Paul says, you will know that by the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God wants us to live in a different way. We are to live to help one another and not to see someone who is different as the enemy. Jesus is set on a mission, and that mission cannot take second place. And that's, in some ways, why the second part of that passage in Luke is so important, why he seems to be repeatedly blowing off people who want to follow, but they have something else they want to do before they embark. Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. He doesn't have time to wait for people to finish. The time to follow Jesus is now. 
Jesus is calling us to live in a different way. What does that mean for us as Christians? And more specifically, what does it mean for us, for this congregation? I have been blessed to be the pastor of this congregation for almost nine years. And we are in the midst of massive change. We have sold the building. And at the same time, with COVID and everything, we have lost some members and some who have thought we aren't going to be around much longer. That sense, that feeling of our fragility, our finiteness isn't necessarily out of the question. Two sister disciple congregations here in the Twin Cities, Lake Harriet and now Plymouth Creek Christian Church have either closed or are in the process of closing. That basically leaves two congregations in the Twin Cities, ourselves and First Minneapolis. And I would be lying to say that we are not in similar straits as those other two congregations. In a few months, we won't be in this building. We hopefully have moved to some other place. And either way, where as in this situation, as we are preparing to move, as we are preparing to look into our future, we have questions. We have to ask some questions on how we will be church in the future. We have to become more of a church that is on a mission. We can't be the same church we have been not if we want to continue into the future. We have to change. And part of that means we have to find out who we are. We do have to find out our identity, though not an identity that keeps us closed and only looking towards those who are with us, but one that defines who we are, what is our mission, just as Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. There is a lot that we have to talk about. And there's a lot that, that's all going to be a process. It won't be solved in an afternoon and it won't be solved by me just telling you what we are. However, I do want to at least start us with this. Our identity should be centered on the communion table. The table is what centers us as disciples of Christ, as our tradition. And I think right now, in this day and age, it needs to be center us even more. Our mission and our, our identity, whatever that is, has to be centered at the table, a table that is not set by us, but is set by God. To be a church centered at God's table means that we are a people that bring people from all walks of life to God's table where the community can come together and where we can reason and talk with each other. To be centered at the table means that we work to bring people together instead of pulling people apart, which sometimes has been the purpose of the church, especially as of late. My friend and retired disciples pastor, Douglas Skinner, 
share something he learned from Professor Harold He, um, who came up with these three rules for a church to have respectful conversations on issues that are divisive and fraught. High believes that in Christ all things are held together, as Colossians 117 notes, because Christ holds all things together. So Jesus intends for the church to be a place where people who have different convictions on all of the hot-button issues of the moment can still sit down together and talk honestly and civilly and still relate to one another lovingly. Professor He has spent years working with churches that handle issues that are tearing the churches apart. And he thinks that there are three preconditions that allow a church to foster these discussions. The first precondition is humility. And it means that we have to acknowledge that there are other points of views out there. And we have to listen to them, to listen to what people believe because you can't have a good conversation with anyone if you believe that you have all the truth and they don't. And then the second one is patience. It means staying, in this case, at the table with someone, even when we disagree with them. And the temptation is hard to walk away. Both sides are growing and changing. And we need to be patient as we all, each other, live our lives. And then finally, the role of love. And this one, Doug Skinner writes about. He says, it's easy for me to love you and for you to love me when we see eye to eye on things. It's much trickier for us to love each other when we disagree on a matter of conscience and conviction. But this is exactly the love that the world will sit up and take notice because it's just so rare these days. As Skinner notes, we are so used to antagonizing each other and then in turn, we walk away from the table. In light of that recent Supreme Court decision on abortion, can this congregation be a place where we are centered at God's communion table to reason with one another. In sharing of the bread and wine in the memory of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ being the one that bridges the gap between God and creation, can we bring people to God's great table and learn to see each other as a child of God even when we disagree with them? Can a table-centered table center identity fuel our mission and our ministry to bring people together in a world that is pushing people apart? First Christian Church isn't closing. We're moving, but we are not closing. But then the question is, how can we live? 
What is the mission that God is giving us? And in a world where people want to call fire down from heaven and destroy the other, where we think that freedom means that we can do whatever we want, can we follow the way of Jesus for the sake of the world? I believe we can. I have said over the years that God is not done with First Christian Church. Just as Jesus set his face towards what God was calling him to do, we are being set in a direction to follow God. What are we here for? Maybe it is to be in service for others. Maybe it is to, set, to, center, to be centered at the welcome table and seek to bring people together in love. This is the beginning of our journey towards learning towards who we are as we set our face towards Jerusalem. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L dot org. May God be with you in the coming week.